0: Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting as usual from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you are looking for the best bank in Georgia, well, that's not just my opinion. <laughs> that's a, a survey of customers by money.com times, time magazines, money.com. And similar results have been found in surveys done by Forbes magazine. And I think the reason that Renaissance ranks so high among their customers is that they're big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them as a small business, but they're small enough to to deliver their work in a personal way. So if you're looking for a bank like that, go to renaissancebank.com to learn more and find one of their local offices near you and give them a call. And I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome return guest. I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Randy Hain is with us, folks. He is the president of Servium Partners. Randy, welcome. Thanks, John. It's good to be on again. Hey, it's great to have you back. And we're here specifically to talk about your new book. But before we get to that, let's give everyone the introduction to you and your work. How are you serving folks out there?
1: Uh, thanks, John. I, again, appreciate the opportunity. So uh, I'm the president of Servium Partners, as you said. and I'm an executive coach, and I work with uh, senior leaders in their teams in the Fortune 5000 so uh, mostly Atlanta-based companies, but really I've got a pretty global reach with my business and do executive coaching. Um, but I also have half another business that I co-own with another coach called the Leadership Foundry. Mm. And we work on developing high-potential leaders and, and teams uh, for global companies. And that business has been around for about five years. So between all that and being a husband and father, I'm a, I'm a busy guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and, and writing books. So you just... Um, finished and, uh, published, uh, released upon reflection, helpful insights and timeless lessons for the busy professional. Um, I love this book. And so let's just put that out there right now. It's a great book folks. You need to get it. We're going to talk more about it, but this is book number nine. So you are busy
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how time flies, but yes, it's number nine.
0: Yeah. Wow. I want to get more to that in a second, but, um, why this book? Upon reflection, um, why, why, what, what was the idea here?
1: What's interesting about Upon Reflection is it's actually an accidental book. So uh, last year, when you and I last spoke, I mm-hmm. just finished a book called Essential Wisdom for Leaders of Every Generation, right? And um, you know, most sane people would take a break and just you know, stop writing for a while, but I was in a very reflective uh, mood and phase, and I started writing a series of blog posts, just really looking back and thinking about where I've been, lessons learned. I've always been that kind of person, but mm-hmm. intently for about three months, I just had this mindset of looking back to the past, uh, you know kind of figure out where I've been and, and how I might improve and, and, and go forward in a different way. Well, I looked uh, over the content after about three or four months, and I said, by golly, I've got a book here. So uh, upon reflection came out of this phase, um, and it's really written for um, every professional, if you consider yourself to be, a busy professional with, uh, too much going on and you're looking for uh, maybe an opportunity to slow down and maybe savor the moments and be a little bit more reflective about uh, all the great things you've done in your past, not always focusing on the future. This book could be a great fit for you.
0: Yeah. And you and I were talking before we came on the air. It's a great book to pick up and put down. And I think probably appropriate for that because you, uh, Read a chapter and it really focuses in on a particular part of your life mm-hmm. that you need to reflect on, right?
1: It, absolutely. You know, my uh, my home office is filled with uh, great leadership books, but sometimes they can be a little too strategic and deep, and I mean, it's it can be a heavy heavy lift. Mm-hmm. And I always write my books based on five or six minute chapters. Go in. Here's the topic. Here are three things you need to know about it. Six best practices, and then at the end of each chapter, I give you a question to reflect on. So to your point, you could pick it up and put it down and uh, and not feel like you're out of rhythm. And a lot of people use it as a almost a daily devotional.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I am uh, curious about just the whole idea of reflection. It, this is not a society that's built on that principle, right? Right.
1: You know, um, I think this book is a little countercultural to your point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Uh, We are so busy racing from task to task and, you know, project to project that we never really sit down and think about where we are. Uh, And more importantly, where have we been? So uh, this is something that was instilled in me from my parents long ago and great mentors I've had in my life. But take a moment and just take stock. You know, Hmm. where are you? Are you being present in the moment with people you care about? Uh, thinking about mistakes and successes, failures, you know, uh, you know, things that you've done in your past, and what can you learn from that? And I've just always found that to be extremely valuable. But I find that I'm usually frustrated when all I do is think about where I want to go. Mm. So I think for me, this idea of reflection has been a powerful uh, key to whatever success I've been fortunate to enjoy. And I wanted to share that insight with other people because I do, I do agree with you. It's not, it's not in the mainstream, but maybe it should be.
0: Yeah. And it, I think you really have to be intentional about this, right? I mean, we, our society is so built on uh, productivity. I'll just name that. Um, and just busyness mm-hmm. that somehow busyness is conflated with, um, um, your status, right?
1: Absolutely. I, I think there is a, uh, there is to your point, maybe a status associated with how full your calendar is. Right. You know, where I would actually encourage reader, listeners to go the other way. You know, think about how you're going to intentionally schedule uh, self care, time for, you know, reading, reflection, strategy. Um, these are things on my calendar, as busy as I am with one and a half businesses to run. I schedule my writing time, my exercise time, and my, and my client time. And it all gets done, but I make sure that everything is uh, intentional to your point. Uh, one of the things I talk about in the book is. I get up early. My, my father was a drill sergeant in the army, so I, I earned it honestly. But I get up at 4.45 every day, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, I usually have about 30 minutes of reflection and reading built in before I start my workday and writing time. All mm-hmm. that gets done by 7 a.m. Mm.
0: Talk about the first chapter, it, and, and I think this is related to what we've been talking about, savoring the moments. Talk about the whole principle of savoring the moments.
1: It was the first chapter in the book, but it was also the chapter that started me down this path of putting together what eventually became the book. So, um, my family and I uh, went on a great vacation uh, earlier this year. Uh, went to Grand Canyon and Sedona, and if you've ever been out west, mm-hmm. everywhere you look, it's uh, it's just a, a beautiful act of God's creation. I mean, mm-hmm. just beautiful, beautiful. Every everything's beautiful, and I so enjoyed every minute of that vacation with my family. Now I'm in my mid fifties and I've been on a lot of vacations, but as I've gotten older, I've learned how to really savor those moments with family. Mm -hmm. And as I wrote that, as I wrote that chapter, I really was just thinking about not only how much I enjoyed that one. And I wasn't thinking about work. I was thinking about them, but I also thought about all the missed opportunities in my life where I wasn't fully present, where I was checking email where I was you know, probably half attentive where I should have been fully attentive. Uh, when I used to put my work before my family, uh, one of the mantras I've always believed in, and you and I may have talked about it before, is I always want to make sure that my job serves my family. My family should never serve my job. Mm. So that chapter is a lot about learning how to savor the moments uh, and really just be present for the people you love. And that's a great way to start that book.
0: And it's hard when you're in the middle of that, i've been there too we 've all been there um, it 's hard to realize what you 're missing right uh, in that moment uh, unless you get jolted out of it by your normally it 's your child or your wife right or your or your spouse uh, as as the case may be right
1: you know I think it was uh definitely both, but it was also um you know I hope that with age sometimes you get a little wisdom just a little bit. <laughs> I hope. Um, maybe and, for you, I'm not sure for me. But anyway, <laughs> and as I've gotten older, I think I've learned how to catch myself. Now, when I was 22, I didn't have that skill set, but at 56, I think I've learned a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think as as you get older, you start to recognize, you know, instead of wondering what's missing, maybe what's maybe what I need to be thinking about what is in front of me, mm. what's right here. And uh and that's why this particular chapter and that particular vacation was so special, because I, I truly feel like we all savored every moment and it's one of the, it was one of the greatest trips we've ever taken together. And we can't wait to do it again.
0: And the irony of that it it occurs to me is that by savoring that moment that has stayed with you now for years and years, right? I mean, um that's the irony of it, really.
1: One of the things I talk about in the book is, um, you know, for your for your listeners, it's not necessarily a book about how to be reflective. It's a book about the fruit of reflection. Mm. But in the introduction and the conclusion, I definitely give a lot of guidance on how to be more reflective. And one of the things I talk about, John, is, you know, in order to be reflective, you have to have something to reflect on. <laughs> so you, you <laughs> right. need to think about each moment with a colleague at work, uh, loved ones, friends, and really just try to think about where am I? Who am I with? What's going on? How can I make a difference in their lives? How are they making a difference in my life? And if you'll think about those things a little bit more, you'll have plenty to reflect on. Mm-hmm.
0: Folks, we're here chatting with Randy Hain. Randy is the author of the newly released book Upon Reflection. Helpful Insights and Timeless Lessons for the Busy Professional. So I want to ask you a couple of questions about some chapters that stood out to me. One is about candor. Hmm. When you talk about candor, I, I've, and I think when you know when I first got to that chapter, you think of candor as like my own candor, right? Well, you turned that around completely on me and hmm. probably to other readers that would get to it. You talk about how it's important to have people of candor in your life, yes, say more about that
1: so um I set that chapter up with a really interesting little history lesson if you uh If you remember in your uh history books, uh Saint Thomas Becket was named the Archbishop of Canterbury by King Henry the back in eleven seventy and uh before he was later murdered by the king he was on his way to the cathedral uh, with a trusted friend. And what's handed down to us, and I'm going to summarize this probably poorly for you, is he said to his friend, I want you to come to me in private and tell me when I err, because it's dangerous for men in power to not have candid voices in their lives. So what that said to me when I came across it was, it's not enough to your point, John, for us to practice candor. That's important. But we need to surround ourselves with people that won't just tell us how amazing we are. Mm-hmm. We need people to say, hey, you know what, Randy? You're you're short, uh, your your hair's uh going and you're and you're and you're kind of chubby. Uh whatever it is, I need to hear the truth. Right. And, and I need to have these people in my life. So if you're a business person, um, you need to make sure that there are people around you who will tell you what's really going on, not what you want to hear.
0: Yeah. And it is so easy to fall into the trap of um, leaning into the to the um, accolades, right? Uh, it's so easy to fall into that uh, trap and miss out on what you get by being called out um, in 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 a in a loving and helpful way, right? I mean, that's I think that's implied in your in what you wrote is you want people that have your best interest at heart mm-hmm. to have that candor.
1: Well, you know, if we're just logical, there is no way we have all the answers. If you're a leader right now listening to this, you do not have all the answers. I don't, you don't. Right. So there are people around us that can help us course correct, can Mm -hmm. get back on track, but we have to put our ego aside and actually be vulnerable and accept that feedback. Mm -hmm. So if you can't find it at work, which would be a shame, go outside of work, find people in the, in the community, find other mentors and other businesses, but get people in your life who will tell you what's happening. What's really going on.
0: Yeah. So another uh, chapter that stood out to me was your discussion of generosity Mm -hmm. and the importance of leading a generous life.
1: One of my favorite chapters. And, um, you know, I I remember writing that um, most of that content actually just before last Thanksgiving. So um, when I think about generosity, I think about what my parents modeled for me. You know, we grew up with very little uh, in terms of uh, material means, but if they had it, they would give it. Mm -hmm. And I just remembered always seeing my parents uh, show up and their first thought was, what can I do for you? How can I help? Mm -hmm. So they were giving of themselves, even if they didn't have material possessions, they would give of themselves their time, their listening ability, their love, whatever it was. And I just grew up watching that and the impact that it had not only on them, You know, they felt great about it, but also in the people that they knew. So I kind of grew up in the back of my mind, always thinking, how can I help? What can I do to serve you? I mean, Mm -hmm. my company Servium, that's Latin for I will serve. Mm. So when I think about generosity, if you operate with a generous mindset, I'm here to help. And don't count the cost and never keep score. It is a wonderful way to live.
0: Yeah. And that resonates with me because I'm I'm a believer that the, the universe gives back to you. Um, whether you think that's God, I happen to think that's God, but you know, whatever you, however you look at the, the universe, the universe gives back and that's the beautiful karma. If you, you launch off and give to the universe and the fun in life is, it comes back in very unexpected ways. And you talked a little bit about that.
1: Uh, I I, I agree with that. And I think, if you, if you begin conversations, if you go into meetings, go into anything that you're about to do during the course of a day and think about how can I help? Mm -hmm. What can I do? How can I serve? How can I give something uh, to others? Um, and if you really get comfortable with that over time, it will change you. Mm -hmm. It's transformative. Uh, and I think that particular chapter gives some great examples of, uh, you know, figures from history, but also, uh, current times and, and hopefully uh, all of us will think about the, the transformative nature of generosity. You know, one of the people that I talk about uh, is, our, is the figure of Scrooge. We all know Scrooge. Mm-hmm. We watch the movie every year at Christmas. And you think about Scrooge, he was transformed by generosity. He was uh, a Scrooge. He was a miser. He kept mm-hmm. every penny. But he learned that by giving, he could uh, redeem himself. And there's a lesson there for us.
0: Yeah, for sure. You uh, talk about kindness. And I think the way the stories that you wrote about, and I want to get to one specifically, um, with that kindness was rooted in generosity, I think. And, and, and you told the story about your son uh, graduating from high school, and then I'm going to let you pick it up and tell what happened with the HR director.
1: Well, yeah, here's a, here's a quick version of it. Yeah. Uh, so my older son, Alex, who's 25 now, um, uh, has high functioning autism and my wife and I, uh, made the decision that not everyone understood at the time that we did not want to send him to college. Uh, we wanted to help him be independent and and learn how to function. He's very high functioning, but he's got a lot of social quirks that would have made college very difficult. So we focused on employment and, and independence for our son. So, um, you know right after school when he graduated from high school, we uh, started down the path. My wife was focused on helping him with getting the right therapist and all that. And she did a great job. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and my job was to help him find employment. and it was very difficult. Mm-hmm. But eventually, uh, long story short, after reaching out to literally everyone in my network, um, someone made an introduction for him at a, at a very famous global retailer. I won't name the retailer here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got um, he uh, was asked to come in for an interview the Friday before he was graduate he was going to ex- officially graduate from high school so um i went with him to the interview it was the friday afternoon before and we're sitting first of all first of all in the store manager's office and he the tip, the interview was 10 minutes and he said alex would you you know like a job here and he looked at me nervously and i said yes we'll take that job sir uh and then we went down to the hr director's office and a uh, very nice lady and uh and uh She was uh, just kind of going through the paperwork, and I said, ma'am, when we leave here, my son and I are going to go back home. And all of his relatives have flown in from around the country for his graduation. I know this is not typical for HR, but I'd be so grateful if you would consider doing a quick offer letter, like one sentence that says Alex Hayne has a job at this company. Mm -hmm. It would just mean a lot to him and our family. Well, she starts bawling. She's, mm. she's crying her eyes out. She said, of course, I'll do it. Mm. So she typed up a nice letter, and then 15 minutes later, we were at our home, and Alex was having probably one of the proudest moments of his life, telling his family about his first job. Well, uh, long story short, he's been there almost six years and eight months. It's a, it's a wonderful place. Uh, he is thriving, doing great work. They love him. Um, he's a, a contributor to the, the company and adds a lot of value, but he gets so much out of it. And we are internally grateful for the kindness of the people that run the store, but also my friend who initially introduced us to this opportunity. So kindness is everywhere if you look for it.
0: Yeah, it's certainly everywhere if you look for it. That's And that's one point. And I think the other point that I, I walked away from that story with is the ripples of kindness, right? I mean, those ripples that go on and on that you never know. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you just trust in the value of kindness and generosity, um, you are making an impact.
1: I totally agree. You know, and this, this, this particular chapter is, is one of many in that third section of the book, which Mm -hmm. is called being good humans. Mm -hmm. And the reason I wrote that particular section is I think we've we've allowed ourselves to think sometimes that there isn't a lot of kindness in the world. There's a lot of anger and division and frustration. Uh, and I, for one, am, am tired of it. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? I have an opportunity as I'm you know, writing this book on reflection to reflect on all the wonderful stories of kindness, all the people that have acted with generosity and gratitude and have done the right things. And I wanted to tell some of those stories from my own life and also from people I've encountered. So that particular chapter is one of many in that section. And uh, it's really meant to give you an alternative to anger and frustration and say, you know what, there is good in the world.
0: Randy Hayne is with us, folks. And again, the book is Upon Reflection, Helpful Insights and Timeless Lessons For the busy professional, and you don't even have to be a busy professional. (laughs) Whatever you are, whatever you call yourself, you are going to really gain from this book, uh, folks. And I encourage you to get it. I've read it, and it's terrific. I want to switch gears here for just a second, and there is some other aspects of the book I'd like to get to, but let's talk about your. You mentioned your writing. You write in the morning, and and I am just curious how. Um, you've obviously been intentional and purposeful to get to the fact that you've written nine books. But talk about your process and how that has happened for you, because that's laudable.
1: Well, thank you. Um, you know, one of the things that um, I write about in the book is, uh, as I talk about some of the different ways to practice reflection and be better at it, is I talk about journaling. Mm-hmm. So, um, in my car, I didn't actually bring it in with me. I have a black leather journal and it's the 24th journal that I have, uh, worked to fill up for the last uh, 12 years. Mm. So, um, I, I have filled up 23 other journals with, uh, musings, notes, uh, partial blog posts, chapters. If I'm waiting for someone, if I've got downtime, if I'm traveling, I pull out my journal and rather than lose myself in my iPhone, I actually pull out a journal and write down my thoughts. So one of the ways that I can practice reflection, but also be a writer is I never waste a minute to kind of capture what's on my mind. What am I thinking? Even if it's a crazy idea, I put it in there. Mm -hmm. But sometimes some of the best writing I think I've ever done in my life has come from a thirty-minute wait, um, you know, to at the DMV, you know, mm. it just, it, wherever you are, try to capture your moments. You know, I, in the conclusion uh, with some humor, I talked about Gollum from Lord of the Rings, and if mm-hmm. you're familiar with the movie and the creature Gollum, mm-hmm. he was obsessed with his precious. And uh, you know he was looking at the ring with loving and longing, and he just worshipped the ring. Everything was about the ring. Sometimes I think technology is that way for us. Mm-hmm. And we look at our iPhones and TV screens and computers all day long. Well, sometimes if you want to write, as I have you know, tried to discipline myself to write, you have to pull away from screens and actually capture your thoughts and just maybe find time to look up at the blue sky and reflect a little bit. I also do a lot of uh, hiking with my son Alex and hiking outside and being on long walks is another wonderful place for me to do some reflection.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's a little different for everyone, but it's, it's finding that spot. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think social media, uh, uh, technology I should say, but social media is a subset. Technology has become a a default, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when we have downtime, we pick up the iPhone Mm -hmm. or, turn on television or whatever it is. Right. And that's part of the part part of the issue is just changing your default.
1: I totally agree. I mean, and, you know, for anyone to look outside in and say, how do you run businesses and have a busy family life? And I serve in the nonprofit boards. All that gets done because I have discipline and I try to be intentional. But the writing, this is key, is not an add on to a busy life. I integrate it into my life because I truly love it and Mm -hmm. I I hope it helps people. So I find time for it and I plan for it and I make sure it happens. So if I were to add in, well, I need two hours of social media every day, there would be no writing. I assure you. So (laughs) something's got to go for something to thrive. Something has to go. And for me, social media goes
0: right. Talk about writing as a learning and, and you know, you you've talked about writing as a, as a reflection, but writing to clarify your thoughts, and to clarify uh, where you are in your life, where you are in your business, what have you.
1: That's a great question. You know, I think about um, most of the writing I've done has been I've had a thought, <clears throat> it, something has occurred to me that's interesting, so I write it down. So it does clarify the initial thought, and it gives it purpose and 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 more of a disciplined approach, and hopefully some actionable best practices that that I'm thinking about that other people can use. Mm-hmm. So normally what starts out as a wild idea winds up in a chapter in a very succinct, tight, you can do this, Here, here's your plan. Mm-hmm. So that is something that's always been, to your point, clarifying and a little edifying for me. But I also find that... Um, The way that I've chosen to write with these short, actionable chapters, I think I'm kind of uh, matching up to today's generation. I don't think people are picking up big novels the way they used to. I still love those. But I think if I'm going to reach my business audience and professional audience, I need to give them something they can quickly digest and learn from and do something with. So if you finish one of my chapters, you probably have two or three things that you can go put to good use right away.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, so you mentioned, uh, this last section of the book and, and where we were talking about kindness and generosity, what have you, uh, you conclude this by talking about civility Mm -hmm. and you alluded to it earlier. Talk about your thoughts about civility. So
1: in many ways, this book was an accidental book. That chapter was an accidental chapter. So five days before I was going to uh, submit my manuscript uh, for my, to the editor, I get a phone call. And first of all, it's weird to get a phone call. Nobody calls you anymore. And it was from someone who said, you know, it was a, it was a, an acquaintance, not a friend. Someone I've known for years, but we just we're not friends. We just know each other. Mm-hmm. And he uh, quickly said, you know, Randy, you may remember me, so-and-so. I've got a question for you. And he said, interestingly enough, <clears throat> I know you to be – a reasonable person. I wanted to have a discussion with you. Like, sure. What's on your mind. And he stated, uh, he told, we wanted to talk about an issue that has been very divisive in our country. Um, definitely anger and division is associated with this topic. Mm -hmm. And he said, I believe you've got a perspective based on your writing. What I know about you. Can I ask you some questions? Mm -hmm. So he proceeded to respectfully Mm -hmm. ask me a number of questions about my point of view on this topic and I walked him through my reasoning, gave him examples. Uh, 30 minutes go by. And to be fair, I said, help me understand your perspective. And he had really the opposite perspective. And we both were civil and respectful of each other. Well, an hour went by, John, and um, I just kind of, there was silence. And I said, what just happened? And he said, you know, I just needed to, And show some courage and reach out to the other side Mm. and get a perspective because you know all we do is scream it at each other. Typically, I wanted to hear a reasonable perspective. Well, we spent thirty more minutes on the phone. Turns out we have a lot of things in common uh, outside of this issue, and I don't think either of us is going to change our mind. But we have become friends Mm. uh, because we found other things common ground that Mm -hmm. we could find. So that chapter um, gives what I call the recipe for civility. Um, which is a number of best practices that all of us can employ to reach out, to have discussions with people we disagree with, to engage in dialogue. We used to talk in this country. Mm-hmm. We used to have real conversations, but now we make judgments and assumptions. I assume you're in that camp. I can't talk to you. Mm-hmm. Or if we do engage, we yell and scream at each other. Right. This chapter is the antidote to that.
0: You know, one thing that strikes me about civility, and maybe it's just me, um, but when I hear um, people ask for more civility in, in the world, you know, that relates to like what I'm going to do for others. And I think the, uh, the, what's missing here is what civility does for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, you know, I think the practice of civility, certainly um, it's a two-way exchange. It's not just me being civil towards you, but, you know, I need to operate from a place of calmness and peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to show you um, love, you know, if mm-hmm. you want to be honest. right? Um, and, and, and there is a therapeutic, calming, cathartic effect, I think, that comes from being civil. I could get into any discussion every, any day with people that I know disagree with me. And I could go in with frustration, anger, and just heighten the tension immediately. But because I do work with so many people that probably don't share my viewpoints, I choose to be a good listener. Mm -hmm. I try to, you know, uh, instead of rendering judgment, I ask for clarification. I respectfully listen, but then I would share my perspective, not to one-up you, but just to say, hey, thanks for listening or, or thanks for sharing yours. Here's where I come from. And I think there is something that is essentially good for us in the practice of civility to make your point
0: so randy uh, talk about i want to give a nod to SurveyM partners and how you're serving folks out there and i know you do public speaking Mm -hmm. so let's talk about the the maybe the kind of groups you you speak to and then the folks that you serve through survey partners the folks that i'll be in touch with you
1: Sure. No, thank you. Um, so, I, again, I work with, uh, you know, really senior leaders and their teams, uh, Fortune 5000 companies typically, although I do work with smaller businesses. Um, you know, so I engage with them and do coaching and, and consulting agreement engagements. Uh I speak to groups, uh, not as much as I did before COVID, but it's mm-hmm. starting to come back. Um, You know, any group that's interested, quite frankly, in having an honest conversation about the topics that maybe you and I've talked about today or uh, topics like candor, communication, clarity from my book, Essential Wisdom. But I can tell you one of the things that I've found that's one of my favorite ways to do a speaking engagement. I I, I almost insist on it now where we'll get up in front of a room and the person that invited me. We'll sit down and have q and A forum. We'll, mm. we'll just go back and forth like you and I are doing right mm-hmm. now. And I love that, it. That's my favorite way to do it. Mm-hmm. And then we open it up to the the audience, and it's just natural, authentic, and it just uh, it brings out some rich conversation.
0: I like that. So if I'm a, a leader in a company, in my, maybe own my own business, what have you, um, how do I know I need to be in touch with you?
1: You know, what? if you're a if you're a leader <clears throat> or you're leading other leaders, and you recognize that, you know, there's success that we want for ourselves or for myself. And I'm not getting there. There are obstacles in the way. I know I need some help, but I'm not exactly sure what I need to do to get to that other side. Then if you're looking for a candid voice who will help you uh, respectfully address those issues and then work to overcome them, Mm -hmm. um, I'm probably a good fit for you. Mm. Uh, and I use assessment testing, uh, a very extensive 360 interview process, we will identify what's keeping you from where you want to go. But you also have to be coachable, and you have to bring um, some degree of self-awareness that something's not quite right, but I Mm. need some help to go deeper. Uh, If that's you, it could be a great partnership.
0: Terrific. Randy Hain, folks, uh, president of Servium Partners, and also the author of a great new book, Upon Reflection, helpful insights and timeless lessons for the busy professional. Randy, this has been terrific. I'm so glad you came in. Thank you so much. Sean. I'm so
1: grateful as always. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Before we let you go, though, I've got to ask the most important question because folks may want to be in touch on both how to find the book, number one, and how to be in touch with you about your work and your, and your services.
1: Uh, Three quick places I tell you to go. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Randy Hain, H-A-I-N. You can follow me there. um, Connect with me there. Just give me context on why you're connecting. Um, You can go to my website, which is serviumpartners.com. And also Amazon is where all my books are. So you can order the book there. Uh, And with Christmas coming, uh, you may not find yourself to be that busy professional that's looking for this help, but I bet you know somebody. Mm -hmm. This could be a great gift with the holidays coming up.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. And uh, be careful, folks, because if you read one of Randy's books, you cannot resist, you'll read more. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Randy Haynes, Servium Partners. Thank you again so much for being with us.
1: Thanks again, John.
0: Hey, folks, just a quick reminder. We've talked about building teams. If you've got a special team building activity that you would like to plan for your team, That doesn't involve mosquitoes and broken ankles and, you know, tromping around in the wilderness somewhere. I've got a suggestion for you that all you've got to do is go down the road to John's Creek, Georgia, to ANS Culinary Concepts, an award-winning culinary studio. And, yes, they do corporate catering and all that stuff, but they've got a great corporate team-building activity that Andrew Traub, the executive chef there, and his team have developed that is terrific. I know I've been there. I was there three weeks ago, and it was awesome. Um, So give Andrew a call, 678-336-9196, or go to asculinaryconcepts.com to learn more, and I think you'll be glad you did. And, folks, North Fulton Business Radio, we have celebrated just 550 episodes here recently, and we have come this far because of you. You have supported the show, and we are... just can't give you enough gratitude for that. What you have done is shared the show. When you have found someone that a business leader like Randy, whose words and thoughts have been something you want to share. So if you could please continue to do that, we'd be grateful. If you've heard something here in this show that makes you want to share the show, please do that. um, Because that's how we, that's how we work at business radio X. We're here to celebrate the great work of business leaders like Randy, uh, and others that we've had on this show. So thank you again for your support. We're grateful to you. So for my guest, Randy Hain, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton business radio.